I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Story time. I am Ivan, a park ranger at Congaree National Park in South Carolina. I've worked here for years, and I've seen all sorts of wildlife, from black bears to alligators. But I never expected to encounter what I found one night in the heart of the park. It was a quiet night, and I was doing my rounds, checking the trails and campsites. As I walked through the forest, I heard a strange noise. It was a low, guttural growl that made the hairs on the back of my neck stand up. I shone my flashlight around, but couldn't see anything in the darkness. That's when I heard a loud snap, and turned to see a massive creature standing before me. It was a bipedal brown Bigfoot, towering over me at nearly 8 feet tall. Its eyes glowed in the beam of my flashlight, and I could see its powerful muscles rippling beneath its fur. I tried to back away slowly, but the creature took a step forward, blocking my path. It bared its teeth, growling menacingly. I knew that if it wanted to, it could easily overpower me. I was frozen with fear, stuck in place with nowhere to go. Just when I thought I was done for, 
The creature suddenly turned and ran off into the forest. I stood there, trembling and trying to catch my breath, wondering what had just happened. I had encountered a bipedal brown Bigfoot, something that I never thought I would see in my lifetime. Over the next few days, I couldn't shake the feeling that I was being watched. I heard strange noises and saw shadows moving in the trees. I knew that the creature was still out there, somewhere in the forest, and I was never sure when it would make its presence known again. I couldn't keep my encounter a secret, and soon word got out. People started coming to the park, hoping to catch a glimpse of the creature. I tried to warn them that it was dangerous, but some were determined to find it. In the end, it was best that the creature remained a mystery, a legend of the forest that only a few lucky people had encountered. I continued to work at the park, but I never forgot about that fateful night when I came face to face with a bipedal brown Bigfoot. Alright everybody with a knowledge of cryptids. I'm hunting for information on a cryptid I'm not even sure has been marked down yet. There has been multiple sightings, in my small town of Merrill, Michigan, something of which doesn't match a single cryptid I've read about yet, and I've read a lot. I personally have not seen it, so I'm sorry for breaking that rule, but I have three witnesses that I would put my life on, and I really want to know about this thing. The first witness is my uncle, and he is the main reason I'm on this hunt. When he was young, he used to take night walks in the neighbor's woods. Right before sunrise, as long as it was dark enough so no neighbors could see him. He would take a very dim flashlight with him on purpose, and if he thought anyone saw him, or was following him, he'd put his hand over it and hide in the woods darkness. He claims the main things that scared him were the raccoons and opossums, he never had problems with people on his walks, but he still knew the risk of trespassing. Though his story isn't very exciting, he got the best view on the creature out of all three witnesses, claiming that it only stood a few feet tall, and had legs bend backwards with large, fly-like eyes and the rest of it looked like a kangaroo and a monkey hybrid. There are many cryptids that are close in visuals, but none of them have thick hair and big eyes like this one had. I showed him drawings of other look-alike cryptids, he's dismissed every one of them. He claimed that he was walking out of the woods just as it was getting brighter, the sky was grey and the woods still dark from the trees, but the road almost visible down the whole mile. On his way across the road back to the house, he saw that thing a little ways down the road. It's said to have crossed the road in two steps, despite being short, and disappearing into the woods my uncle had just exited. The second witness is deceased now. He was a natural conspiracist so it came as no surprise when I heard this story years ago. Though his description was much less valuable, I have the belief that this was the same cryptid. A couple miles away from the first incident, this man said that he seen a small, ape-like figure jump almost to the tops of the trees. This is the least resourceful sighting cause I cannot ask this man to answer anything he left out, or to give more info. This is all I have for his sighting. The third is my grandma's good friend, Sylvia, from a state away. Every 4th of July, they park a camper in my grandma's yard and stay for a week or two, to visit all the friends and family they left behind when they moved out of state. Keep in mind, these folk have never even heard the stories of this creature, and for this story, I was in the house as it happened. Sylvia's husband had a few beers with my grandparents. There's a big tree on the side of a barely used road, and he walked over to it to use the bathroom. As he was peeing on this tree, he noticed the same big, black bug eyes that my uncle had seen. It was staring him down from the tree line across the road, and as soon as he focused on it, the cryptid backed up into the brush and was gone. Me and my uncle freaked out about this, as you would. Cause it had been a six or so years since someone we knew spotted this thing. As crazy as it sounds, me and my whole family believe and know this creature. We've even narrowed down where it possibly calls home based on how far sightings go. Sorry for the long and many paragraphs. If you have any idea what might be lurking around mid-Michigan, please leave a name of a cryptid or a description or drawing. My family and me all want to know what so many of us have seen. 
Any ideas? There's more sightings too, these are just the most reliable, believable and descriptive. I live in western New York. At the complex my fiancé and I share, is heavily populated. Lots of houses on the outside of the property as well, but directly behind our building is a very large section of dense forest. When we first moved here three years ago, we used to go out there to smoke joints and such as we didn't want to want our back deck. Shortly afterwards we decided the woods were no bueno so we would just smoke on our deck. So anyways I have had two very strange occurrences in the last two weeks. Also, I don't know if it was a crawler that I saw slash heard but I figured I would post here and see what everyone's opinion is. Anyways about two weeks ago I'm out on my deck or patio. We live on the second floor and there's a staircase leading up to the door that takes you up the stairs to the third floor and whatnot, and I'm smoking a cigarette. It's about 2 or 3 am and I hear a bunch of rustling at the far end of the parking lot behind our building, out in the woods. So I look over there and all I hear is this loud screech. I assumed it was some type of animal at first but it kept walking a few feet and then screeching. It did this repeatedly until it was almost in front of me but still in the woods if that makes sense. At this point I feel like something or someone is watching me, so I walk down into the parking lot and as soon as I did I hear the screech but even louder this time moving towards me. I ran as fast as I've ever run in my entire life back up the steps into my apartment shutting and locking the door. About 10 minutes later I open the glass door, we have a screen door on the very outside and I still hear the screeching but even further down and deeper into the woods. I haven't heard it since that night. I really don't believe it was an animal because I've lived relatively secluded most of my life at my dad's house and I heard animals and bugs and all that all the time so I don't know it was just really weird. The most recent event occurred last weekend. I was dead tired after I got out of work at 11 pm and I was out on the deck smoking again and at some point I fell asleep in my chair out there. So I wake up it's about 3.30 am and I stood up, stretched and then lit another cigarette. Well at this point I have shaken off the sleepies and I'm kind of just scanning the tree line. As I'm doing this, near the far right corner of the parking lot we have those cattails or whatever they're called, the tall grass crap. While looking I lifted my eyes up because whatever was over there caught my attention right away. I swear whatever this was, it was maybe seven, seven and a half feet tall, kind of hunched over and just staring at me. I noticed no other features that stuck out just long limbs and a blank face. As soon as I looked at it, it turned and kind of galloped into the mouth of the woods and was just gone like that. I don't know if it was a crawler, or just an animal making me look stupid but whatever it was gave me a creepy feeling. But that sums up my events, if I seem crazy then do tell me so because I'd rather that then be what it could be lol. Let me know what you think and thank you. This story occurred in the summer of 2008. I grew up in Oregon and was acquainted with the outdoors at an early age. My favorite hobby came to be hiking particularly in areas that are either very dangerous or isolated. The health benefits of hiking were secondary to the thrills of walking the edges of exposed cliffs, being in cougar and bear territory, and knowing that I was far from help. Into the Wild was released in the fall of 2007 and I immediately fell in love. Being a high school senior, I felt imprisoned in my parents' house. A teenager with wild eyes, the movie spoke to my sense of adventure. It inspired me to hike the California portion of the Pacific Crest Trail PCT, upon graduation. For the uninitiated, the PCT is a 2700 north-south trail from the border of Mexico to that of Canada. It traverses deserts, forests, and mountains. It ranges from sea level to 13,000 feet elevation. The reason I tell you this is because needless to say, some parts of the trail are more remote than anything you can imagine. You aren't hiking outside of LA and San Francisco here. You're hiking through hundreds of miles of untamed wilderness in what is essentially the Wild West. I made it from the Mexico border to Northern California without much incident. 
I happened upon rattlesnakes and black bears, experienced legitimate dehydration, but nothing happened that made me fear for my life. Somewhere in the Lawson National Forest in northeastern California, I walked around a bend in the trail only to be startled by two people sitting on a rock dressed in nearly all white. Their faces were dirty, their appearance disheveled, and the man had a long unkempt beard. Both seemed to be in their 40s. They looked like the couple who kidnapped Elizabeth Smart. What struck me as odd about the encounter was encountering anybody at all. I frequently went days without seeing a single human being on the PCT their white clothes could be explained away by the need to escape the California summer sun. Their scruffy appearance could be explained away by the fact that most through hikers abandoned personal hygiene on the trail. After I said hello, they said nothing and simply watched me as I passed. Even that I didn't find odd. I chalked it up to them being foreign and not knowing what to say. I camped a few hundred yards off the trail that night, as I always did. Following bare precautions, I hung the leftover food I had cooked that night from a tree approximately five feet off the ground. Packing up camp in the morning, I noticed the food wasn't there. I immediately thought a bear had entered my campsite and so I began to look for paw prints. I didn't find paw prints, but I did find boot prints circling the campsite, two pairs of them. One of those prints led right up the rope from which the food was hanging. I thought of the couple I had passed earlier and everything clicked. I quickly packed up and left. My mind was racing the entire day, but I figured the couple was simply hungry. If they had nefarious intentions, they would have come for more than the food. Several days passed and my mind was at ease again. I had begun to circle my campsite with sticks to wake me in the event of an intruder, animal or otherwise. I awoke in my tent one night to the sound of those sticks crunching. I grabbed my hunting knife. I tried to relax by telling myself that in the middle of nowhere, the source of that noise is much more likely an animal than a person. Then I heard frantic whispering. It was impossible to tell which direction the voices were coming from. Being in the dark, surrounded by trees, a hundred miles from the nearest city plays tricks on your senses. I debated yelling out claiming to have a gun but instead decided to be silent and retain the benefit of surprise. I heard footsteps circling my tent and was ready to slash in whatever opened it. But just like that, it was over. No more footsteps, no more whispering. I lied frozen awake in my tent until sunrise and opened my tent to find nobody there. The only evidence something had actually happened were the boot prints, the same as before. Several more days passed and I was now in Shasta National Forest, probably 50 to 75 miles from where I first encountered the couple. The trail became more or less a goat trail. Being on the side of a mountain and above the tree line, I could see the trail winding for miles in front of and behind me. I stopped for water in the rare shade and noticed two hikers miles behind me. All I could see were two white dots moving along the mountainside. I immediately said out loud, F this, this trip is over. I pulled out my map and looked for the nearest town, which appeared to be Castella located off I-5. The only problem was that it was 25 miles away. I hiked well into the night trying to gain as much ground as possible. I kept losing the trail and decided to set up camp, this time far off the trail and into the forest. I got in my tent and tried to sleep but every little noise kept me awake. After a few hours in my tent I heard the telltale signs of another bad night, the footsteps, the whispering, the sticks breaking. Sound travels far in the absence of other sound. I knew they were close, but wasn't sure how close. All I could think was this is messed up, this is so messed up. God damn it. Finally a flashlight hits my tent lights up the entire thing, and goes dark. I unzipped my tent and climbed out carrying my knife, yelling nonsense into the dark. It was sort of like that cliché scene in movies where people in the wilderness hear sticks breaking around them and the camera pans around the trees because the people have no idea which direction the sound is coming from. Then I heard footsteps running towards the tent and barely made out a figure moving in my peripheral vision. I turned and ran deep into the forest. 
I tripped several times and ran into several trees. After running for approximately 5 minutes I tripped, rolled, and came to rest next to a down tree. I got under the tree trunk and laid still. I saw the flashlight moving around in the distance. I laid under that tree for hours. I was certain they were gone but I didn't move. Eventually birds started chirping and I knew sunrise would come soon. Once it did I made my way back to the trail, abandoned my campsite, and walked the rest of the distance to Costella where the PCT crosses I-5. I hitchhiked my way to the town of Mount Shasta and spoke with the police and forest service. They put me up in a motel for the night, and my parents drove from Oregon to pick me up the next day. I followed up with the police and forest service months later who told me there had been similar reports of items disappearing from campsites throughout the surrounding national forests. However, there had been no other reports of the terrorizing that I experienced. As far as I know, nothing ever came of the couple. Around 23 on last week Friday, I was out on a very late night stroll near a farm I live by, trying to find a good spot to set up my telescope for some stargazing. Now I started to hear cows mooing, not sure how many, but I thought nothing of this since it is a cow farm and I hear it all the time. However, when I stopped to set up for some stargazing, the moon suddenly got very close, as if it was almost right in front of me. The land the cows are on is quite big, so it would take some time to get from one side to the other. When I first heard the mooing, it was pretty far away. But this time, it wasn't. It was if they had somehow teleported. When I called out because I thought someone had just been playing a prank on me, I heard this growl like never before. I packed up my crap and bolted out of there since I had heard of skinwalkers in my area. I'm going to try and explain this as best I can remember, this happened when I was in high school, probably around 16-17 and I am now 27. So please forgive me if I can't recall every detail. At the time, I had a girlfriend. There is a hip little neighborhood in our city, called Kensington that we would always meet up at to spend time together. She lived far north in the city, and I was pretty far south. Kensington was right around the middle and a nice place to hang out. We were walking away from the train platform, almost a full block away, when a man in a suit comes running at us with a panicked look on his face. Frantically he says, can you help me? My wife just went into labor and I was supposed to meet my sister at Starbucks in a couple minutes, but I need to run to the hospital. Can you please bring her this bag? And holds out a plastic shopping bag, I believe it was for the makeup store Zara. My girlfriend kinda nudges my arm, obviously thinking this is a little sketchy, but I say yeah for sure. He tells me her name, we will say Sarah, thanks me and runs straight for the train platform. Starbucks is a few blocks away and as we walk my girlfriend is saying this is creepy, what if we are drug mules, etc. When I realize, that the bag is. Strangely light. I tell her and she suggests we look inside. I am conflicted by this, but concede that it's reasonable seeing how odd this whole situation was. When we look in the bag, all that is there is a couple of crumpled up receipts and another crumpled up bag. We open the second bag and there is nothing inside. We are freaked out, considering just turning around and not going into the Starbucks, but my curiosity has gotten the best of me at this point. We walk the remaining block or two and as I walk into Starbucks I call out Sarah. A woman stands up, yells very emphatically, thank you so much. I have to go to the hospital now to be there for the birth but I appreciate this so much, blah blah she throws her arms around me in a huge hug, and then runs out the door. And, that's it. I looked up social experiments. TV shows and every couple of years I remember and Google to see if anyone has experienced anything similar. But. Nothing. Never have had a reasonable suggestion that makes sense to me, and it's just something that bothers me when I think about it. These weren't university-aged people, these were adults in their late 30s or 40s at least. So I don't think it was a school project or anything. Any idea what this could have been for? 
what the purpose of the whole interaction was. I remember when I was 16, me and my friends were out. It was me, my friend Jay and Harley. We were in this decently large park or lake with massive grass hills surrounding it. After finishing school we decided to go to the park or lake and by this time it was dark. Since it being winter, we had walked up this hill with a forest line to our right and thick grass bushes behind us. Sitting down we could see our whole city lit up and we were just talking and I can't recall what about. Some point onwards. My friend Jay who was the loud type started whistling and shouting because of the echo you could hear. When from behind us we all heard at the same time a whistle back. The same tone and pitch almost the same. We all looked at each other with a confused look on our faces when my friend whistled back and after a couple seconds, once again we heard the same whistle from the bushes. I know it couldn't have been the echo because by the time whatever had repeated the whistle the echo was gone. Now stupidly my friend decided to shout at it provoking it. Not knowing what it is and this made my heart drop to my feet. A somewhat rough try at what he said screamed back at us, faint but clear. At this point me and Harley were debating leaving but Jay said. Nah man come let's check it out don't be pusses. So we followed him. For context, in the next part. While walking to the bushes about 200 feet to the right was a passage of sorts that when you walk though after about a minute led to a main road. As Jay was walking closer to the bushes we were straying off a bit to the Exeter passage and we were telling him common man let's just go. I know me and Harley were thinking the same thing, that we hadn't known him that long. And a lot of what he said sounded and probably was a load of BS but after this I trusted him with my life. Jay started to say he saw and was seeing something, so I said to him what do you see? And he said like eyes. At this point I thought he was lying but then between him, the bushes and the moon, lit sky I saw something dart out the bushes at him. I thought what the f. Me and Harley looked at each other and ran though the passage. Jay started to scream, while running I was picturing it in my head. It must have been at least 6 feet tall and it was skinny with long limbs but a human size head. When we reached the road we looked back I could feel my heart in my chest and the adrenaline flowing. We shouted. Jay. And after about 5 minutes he fell to our feet out the dark. And we sat him up and asked what was that. He said confused and with a dull look in his eyes. I'm not sure. We walked as far away from there and after about an hour of walking we parted ways. Not talking about what just happened in disbelief. But the next day we met up and he was covered in black and yellow bruises. Now I still don't have any evidence except this story and sorry for the bad punctuation and spelling but I waned to share this story and see what you think. So for the better part of 15 years I've been seeing something. It's tall, very tall. Probably 8 feet and it's pitch black, everything around it seems to have a black statusy thing around it. Every time before it attacks, the same things happen. I have an immense sense of dread, whatever direction it's coming from my ear in that side does immediately deaf, I see it and then pass out. When I pass out I always wake up in some weird version of wherever I passed out be it a classroom or church, I'm there alone with it. It stalks me and tries to get me, when I look at it I feel depressed, and want to give up. So far I have been, clawed, scratched, and bitten by it. All left real world marks when I wake up. The worst time happened when it stretched his arm unnaturally long and began to choke me, I woke up and barley escaped but woke up to an asthma attack that almost got me sent to the ER. It used to only happen once every few years, it bothered me but not enough to make me really seek help. But lately it's happening a lot. In the past months it has happened at least 3 months. The most recent I barely escaped it, running inside my house and even my dog got scared. I am so tired of this. I don't expect to defeat or kill it. But I have a kid on the way and I can't let this thing run my life anymore. If any of you have any ideas of what it is please let me know. I feel like now that I, 23 male, 
is growing up, I am starting to feel the gravity of many things that happen, and have happened around me. Being a curious person, I like to investigate things, like to make my own theories around them. Yesterday morning, I started having this conversation with my mom, about my theories on what dreams actually are, and what science says about it. In the midst of that conversation, I suddenly recalled an incident that happened with her many years ago. My mom is not at all a person who likes to make things up. She is always so skeptical of superstitions, and I and only I know that if she claims watching something with her own eyes, which freaked her out and almost froze her to death, she is speaking the truth. It happened around 12 years ago. My family was going through financial crisis, and we used to live in my maternal grandma's house back then. Recently a thief had also been sighted in the house, who ran away in panic because of the fear of being caught. Many scary things were happening and we were damn serious towards all of them, as they were causing our family a lot of stress. I didn't get to know exactly when and how, but one evening my mum told my grandma that she saw a hairy demon in the bathroom, and almost froze to death seeing that. As I was a stupid 11-yo kid back then, I took it as a fun horror story and let it be. When I recalled this incident yesterday, I decided to ask about the details to my mum. So, I asked her to explain how was the appearance of that thing, actually. She told me it was sitting on the floor of our bathroom, she said that it looked like an early man. Told me it was so gigantic that when it stood up on its legs, he easily reached the ceiling. As she froze and started screaming for help to my dad, this creature took only a couple of very, very long strides and disappeared. She says she doesn't recall much details from how this thing actually disappeared. I asked her why she calls the thing a demon? She said that because that's what her first guess was. I asked, so, you mean to say it looked like a caveman? She said, no. It wasn't a man or human in the first place. A beast? I asked. She said yes. She said it had very long hair, all over its body, and the hair had a soil-like color. Immediately, my brain said, Bigfoot? Then I googled Bigfoot and showed her the images. She said that it was very much of the same appearance as those images. I was shocked to hear that. The thing is, I am from India. Nobody ever heard of any Bigfoots in India, let alone in an urban environment, and that too. In one's bathroom? As weird and illogical this incident sounds, it really happened. My mum rarely believes in things like these, and is always very serious towards life. She has never been attention-seeking or something, and this incident never helped her in any way. In fact, she was facing so many more challenges in life that this incident was a fresh wound on already wounded skin. So, what do you guys think of this incident? How can one see a Bigfoot-like creature in one's own home, which then disappears and is never seen again? Could it be something else? Also, there's a little incident about how my grandma saw it too around the same time, which I am not including so that I don't make this super long post longer. When I was about 10 years old I would go to bed around 8.30pm. I used to fall asleep in my mom's bed, she had a TV in her room so I would fall asleep to cartoons, and when she would come up to go to bed she would wake me up and take me to my bed. One night I was sleeping in my mom's bed as per usual, and I woke up to the door opening. I didn't wake up to look who it was because I figured it was my mom, it was just me and her living at our house, I heard her walk towards the bed and then stop. It was a good 5 minutes before I heard the bed creak from her laying down. She laid down and put her arm around me. She never said anything and neither did I since I was half asleep. She didn't wake me up to move me to my room so I just figured she was letting me sleep in her room that night. I drifted off, when I woke in the morning I rolled over and saw my mom was gone. I walked downstairs and saw her sleeping on the couch. The title screen for Pretty in Pink was playing on the TV in the background. She woke up and smiled and asked me what I wanted for breakfast. I told her I'd just make myself a bowl of cereal, I headed to the kitchen and turned around to thank her for letting me sleep in her bed last night. 
She looked at me confused and said you didn't sleep in your room? And I told her no. She said she fell asleep on the couch. I said no you came in the room last night. She looked at me even more puzzled and said no I've been down here the whole time. I kept telling her no you laid down next to me and I even remember. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Are you putting your arm around me and stroking my hair? She looked horrified. Again, we lived alone. My mom has no history of sleepwalking either. To this day my mom and I are still freaked out by this and don't really like to talk about it. Never happened again. Never had any other paranormal activity in the house either. Around the 29th of December, 2022, I was traveling from Santa Barbara to a small town in the middle of Nevada, where I was going to stop and see if I could make it back to my house or if I should wait for the rest of the day. I would like to say, there was four people in our car, including me. Three-fourth of us saw this lady. She had a pale face, nearly white. She had scraggly black or brown hair going down past her shoulders. She also appeared to be wearing causal clothes that were clean. But weirdest of all, she had no face. I and everyone else who saw her are 100% sure she had no face. I think this was about 6-7 in the morning. The sun wasn't out yet. There was then some weird events in which road signs made no sense and were slowly becoming more and more common, to the point of seeing them every five feet. And the fog closing in. This might be related, yet might not. As I don't remember the road, I couldn't tell you if those signs were actually in our reality or not. I am sorry there isn't much detail. I am sure I didn't fall asleep, because I was very anxious and we were only a couple minutes from our Airbnb. I'm from upstate New York in the capital region. I was born here but for the last few years I moved to Colorado. Just moved back in January. We've been seeing a lot of crazy ass since we moved back. I don't know where else to post this so I'm just gonna comment it here and see if anyone knows WTF my husband saw. So we live in an apartment complex in the middle of town. There's wood scattered around but it's a decently developed area which is why it's weird. The buildings in the complex all surround this big field-like area, picnic tables, trees, it's not a dense amount of trees it's more like a park. This area is dark as fat night. Anyway husband took our dog, Lil Sheba, out one night around midnight, maybe later. He's gone forever, but I don't think much of it because sometimes he just gets excited and goes running with her because our dog is cute AF when she runs around. Anyway he comes back out of breath because yeah, they were running, but after something. The way he described it was small, larger than a cat but had cat-like ears, silhouette, and kind of fleshy looking with weird elbows that stuck out to the sides instead of inward like a hunched dog or cat would. When he initially saw it, the dog saw it first, and they chased after it. Lost it in the dark, circled around the buildings until they came back to where they first saw it dog suddenly got scared and ran him the f back to our building. He hasn't seen it since but it's stuck with him. Besides that he's seen some weird shadows around that same area at night, 
But he saw those in Colorado too so I don't know if that's something weird that followed him cause there's lol definitely s that follows him. But this cryptid is weird sounding. Basically the way he describes it makes me think of a rake but tinier and not standing upright. Last summer, my boyfriend and I were camping in the Washita forest, off the Winona scenic route. We drove through a gorgeous spillway to a creek site where we had set up our camp and were laying in the hammock for the night. Next thing I know our dog is growling this deep growl I'd never heard her make so it caught my attention. I look in the direction she's growling in and I see this weird humanoid? Figure just casually walking in the woods about 10-20 feet away from us. It's a light gray, maybe white color, 7-ish feet tall, very skinny, and has an abnormally large head. Our dog barks and catches its attention, it stops for a good 20 seconds, looks at us, then carries on its way. Needless to say, we immediately packed everything up and left. We hadn't taken anything recreational that night, though I sort of wish we had now. I truly don't know what I saw but I'm so curious if we were the only ones to see have ever seen anything like that in that area. In the early 1990s, Bob drove up the M62 to Manchester, where he was due to perform a comedy routine as part of a cabaret show. As usual, Bob's performance was very warmly received by the audience, and, in appreciation, he decided to go back on stage for a further 20 minutes. While he was performing his additional material, he noticed a beautiful-looking woman of about 25 or 30 years of age, sitting at a table. She was smiling at Bob, and she reminded him of the 70s film actress, Farrah Fawcett Majors. After he had finished his comedy act and had basked in the audience's enthusiastic applause, Bob went backstage and changed, then the manager of the club escorted him to a specially reserved table for a meal and a drink. Just before the next performer took to the stage, Bob made his way over to the table where the woman was sitting alone, and asked her if she would care to join him. The woman smiled, and accepted without any hesitation. She was very tall and looked even more attractive at closer quarters. She had sapphire blue eyes, and long blonde hair. In a soft voice, she said, my name's Danielle. Her accent was not a local one, but was difficult to place. Bob ordered champagne and was soon flirting with Danielle. The woman, however, refused the champagne and preferred to sip mineral water. There was a stay behind at the club, and it was not long before Bob and Danielle were dancing slowly, tightly embracing each other. He learned that the reason Danielle was on her own was that her boyfriend had arranged to meet her at the club, but had not turned up for some reason. She told him that she lived in St. Helens, and Bob said that, as she had not been drinking, she could drive him home to Merseyside in his car. Danielle was not keen and instead preferred that Bob stay overnight at her home until he was fit enough to drive in the morning. At 3 a.m., Bob and Danielle left the club in Manchester and walked through the chilly night air towards the club car park. Danielle shivered in her sleeveless top, so Bob gave her his leather jacket. Danielle had to strap Bob's seatbelt on for him because he was so intoxicated. Minutes later, the couple embarked on the return journey down the M62. During the journey, Bob fumbled for the controls of the car radio, but Danielle's hand intercepted his, and so, the couple sat in silence as the car sped along the motorway. Suddenly stirring from his alcohol-induced doze, Bob turned to look at Danielle and saw something that still gives him nightmares to this day. The girl's beautiful features had contorted into what can only be described as a demonic scowl. Her head swiveled towards him and her eyes turned blood red, and her mouth opened wide, twice as wide as a normal mouth to reveal a fearsome array of pointed teeth. The comedian instantly became sober, but felt faint and breathless with the shock. The girl sitting in the driving seat of his car must be some sort of supernatural entity and was driving him goodness knows where. As if it was able to read his mind, the thing in the driving seat screamed with manic laughter and zigzag between the lanes of the motorway. Bob was not a religious man, but he suddenly found himself imploring, 
Jesus, please save me. The car screeched into a 180-degree turn and slid off the hard shoulder onto a slip road, then veered into a ditch. Bob opened the door and tried to get out, but in his blind panic, he forgot to unclick his seatbelt. He cried out desperately for help and looked back in terror at the seat beside him. It was empty, except for his leather jacket. There was no trace of the fiend who had been masquerading as a woman. The police found Bob wandering along the hard shoulder of the M62, and he gabbled out his bizarre tale, but was not believed. The police checked the club, and the management confirmed that Bob had left with a woman and that she had driven him home. Not one person at the club had any idea who Danielle was. Bob was badly shaken by the spine-chilling incident, and has never appeared at the Manchester club since. Last summer I got a job as a custodian at my former school. Having been established in the 1800s, the current building having been built in roughly the 1910s you see some strange things working at night, and even early morning. Within my first week, I spotted a shadow with white eyes, hovering in the corner above the band room. I nicknamed him the Watcher because you can occasionally feel him in the room watching you. He does not like to be spotted though. When I caught sight of him that day I could feel that he was not happy about it, so I of course walked away. I have other paranormal and similar stories working where I do, including shadows roaming the halls at night, orbs of light, and others that need background to X-Lane. In late spring I went for an overnight hike up Icehouse Canyon on Mount Baldy, east of Los Angeles, with my girlfriend. We set up camp a few miles in and a snowstorm hit that night, and it just kept snowing for two days and nights. We weren't prepared at all for snow, so we decided to wait it out in the small two-person tent for two extra days and nights. It ended up dropping a little under four feet of snow and the trail was just gone, so we packed it up and started wandering down the mountain. It was slow going and rough because we didn't bring enough warm clothing and were soaked to the bone. About two miles down we made it to the canyon floor and started following the creek, but then we noticed mountain lion tracks crossing the trail in the freshly fallen snow. We had about three miles to go so kept moving. The whole way down we kept seeing those mountain lion tracks crossing back and forth across the trail, but never saw the beast. We knew it was watching us. It was scary as hell. We made it back to the car and were met by a ranger, our car had been the only one in the lot for the last couple of days and they were growing concerned, who confirmed there was indeed a mountain lion in the area. Ah, the sweet bliss of stripping down and warming up in that car. I'll never forget that little overnight trip. Hey guys so when I was a child I remember having this dream, not sure if it was a dream though. I was definitely around the age of 10. I remember been at this type of farmhouse in the middle of nowhere in this fence. But the thing is this fence had a red light glow from its side. Like if a car headlights was pointed in its direction. I remember that the light grew closer on the fence as if something was getting closer around the corner of the house or something. I also remember a woman with a shotgun hiding on the other end outside the house on the corner really scared with another person. I am not too sure about the whole memory as I was a child however when I was maybe 13. I came across to the McPherson's alien abduction which was a similar encounter but real that happened in the 90s. Caught on camera which was posted on YouTube. There was like three different videotapes of it in which people say it was a way to cover it up but I am wondering if maybe I even had a dream or if I was in my spiritual self observing a memory of something that happened in this McPherson abduction or something. Am I just being crazy? Was it just a dream and I am just acting silly or is there a spiritual slash unnatural reason why I was able to relate to the McPherson's abduction before I ever saw any videos on it? Hiking in Wilson Prom the most southern point of Australia's mainland, came face to face with a large cat. It was jet black and had green eyes. I thought it was just a feral cat for years but only just recently found out feral cats have different colored markings not all black. 
What the F did I see? I was in North Carolina, South Mountain Park. Followed the trail up to the falls and thought I want to go up there. So I did. Got to the top of the falls and looked down to the kids playing at the bottom. I smiled and continued on and got to the bridge crossing the river. I thought I was alone, given there was nobody on the trail here. Then I heard a yelp. My head yanked about and I saw a man and a woman in the river, about 20 feet upriver from the bridge. Woman was trying to get his attention and was pointing at me. Man was lost in the act. After a minute he finally looked up, yelled crap and ducked into the water. Like that solved the problem. I continued along the trail and found their clothes and called out you know kids are playing in the water downstream. In the water you two are befouling. Maybe you could be decent and go the F home. And kept up the trail for about half an hour before turning back. Clothes were gone. Everything but a pair of panties and a broken watch. Took a stick and knocked both away from the trail. Made my way back down and got to the head of the trail and saw M again. They were speaking to a park ranger. After a few moments they ran off to a beat up car. I asked the ranger if everything was okay, he told me the two of them were reporting a man baiting at the top of the falls. I sighed and said right. I'd like to report those two for having intercourse in the river above the fall and told him where to find the clothes they had left. Doubt anything happened but still think about it as the trashiest thing I've experienced on a hiking trail. We were hiking in Rocky Mountains National Park and came to a small creek crossing that was just above a 30 feet waterfall. There was a family playing in the creek, way too close to the waterfall. I said something like, boy that waterfall is pretty, but they didn't seem to care they were 10 feet from falling down a waterfall. We walked upstream and made our crossing and then heard a big scream and yell. I went back and saw that the father had somehow lodged his leg under a huge rock. He was panicking because he was half submerged under water, and the current was pushing him towards the waterfall. I politely told his kids to get out of the water and three of us dislodged the leg and dragged him out of the water. I told him to remove his shoe because swelling was occurring but he wouldn't listen. He got mad and told us not to touch him. So we let him be, and continued on our trip. I was hiking alongside a steep drop off up switchbacks. A couple comes around the corner with a leashed dog. Somehow she trips, dog leash in hand, and goes over the side. Her guy literally jumps off after her, Superman style minus the flying capability. The only thing that didn't go over was the dog who was pushing against the edge of the trail to not go down too. The couple was luckily on brush about 5 feet below the edge but every try to get up broke roots and they kept getting lower. With others on the trail we got the dog safe then used our bodies as leverage, hiking poles, and calm reasoning to get them back over the edge on trail. All was well. But that damn dog was the smartest of the three for sure and while valiant by the guy it was the stupidest move I've seen to save a lady. Years ago a friend and I got started very early in the morning during a very hot summer to hike a local 11,000 peak. We got lost towards the top as the trails were less clear and decided to come back down, made it to be bottom by maybe 3 pm. Towards the bottom, we ran into these two young men in their early 20s who were just starting out. They each had a water bottle and insubstantial footwear like Chacos or Tevas or something similar for this very difficult hike. They asked us if there was water on the trail which we said was minimal and they went on their way. In any case, on the news a day or two later, I recognized them. That had inadequate lighting and one of them fell off the side of the mountain and died of his injuries. I think of them often whenever I hear of someone being rescued or killed while hiking. Sad. One time for my birthday I decided to go to this lake or hiking area by myself. It was a horrible birthday already, which was why I went out alone to rejuvenate and have some time to myself. 
I noticed this guy talking to two older people. He was staring at me, but I just ignored it. I eventually decided to move on and thought nothing of it. Later on, I hear someone walking behind me. Figure it's nothing. Until I notice it's the same guy who was staring at me earlier. This time he's alone, so I assume he wasn't with those people he was speaking with, and he was now following me. His pace increases until he catches up with me. Keep in mind I'm on the trail that takes me back to my car, and I'm not even halfway there yet. The guy starts trying to talk to me and won't leave me alone. He asks me to get in his car and go somewhere with him. I don't remember where at this point. Now I'm scared and trying to hurry back to my car. He follows me the entire way back to my car. I just kept walking and got in and drove away. It was part of the Appalachian Trail. You hear about weirdos like that all the time. I just never thought it would happen to me or at this part of the trail. It's a super family-friendly place. I never went there alone again. My friends and I decided we wanted a trip on acid for the first time in the hills and we were going to camp out for the night. It was me plus four of girls, we'll call them Ali, Sid, Madeline, and Neva, plus we brought our male friend Dylan as a trip sitter. We borrowed a tent and drove like an hour to where Dylan said he had been before and it was apparently a little private beach and a lake with ledges to jump from. By the time we got there it was 7pm but still daylight and we set up camp and took our acid. It was fine while it was still daylight. When it started to get cold, we wanted to make a fire but it turned out all the wood was wet and we had no more light or fluid because we wasted it all trying to get it going. Our friend Madeline and Dylan decided to walk back to the car to go get some supplies, but that left the rest of us in darkness with two phones on acid somewhere we had never been before. Fast forward, they got back and we had a fire going for a while, and when it went out we all laid back to look at the stars and listen to music. Then headlights popped up over top of this ledge that was to our right. We had to walk on foot just to get to this spot because of all the trees so we had no idea how they were driving back there. We thought maybe it was the cops. It was a pickup truck and it pulled up to the ledge and must have seen us. They somehow maneuver this truck down the ledge and get out and it's a grown man and his grown son, I'm assuming, with either alcohol, vomit or a mix of both on both shirts. The son is clearly belligerent, asking what we were doing out here while the dad stood by his truck door, silent but staring at us. He started asking if we've ever been to the bulldog or some crap but I was so freaked out, we all were. None of us were talking to him except Madeline, who was acting like she was beyond messed up. We kept telling her to stop but she just comes right out and is like I'll sell my body for money. I swear to god I cannot make this up. I've taken acid plenty of times now to know she was just acting out because there's no way one tab made her lose control like that. Thank the lord they weren't actual creeps because when they heard that, they pretty much got the f out of there. We packed up as soon as we saw they were gone leaving half our crap and noticing our tent somehow had made its way into the water and already floated halfway out to the lake. We walked back through the woods with two phone flashlights, one of my friends numbed to the rocks under her feet so she was trampling them and causing her feet to bleed. The whole night was just messed up. I forgot exactly where this was, but I took a trail that went through a bit of forest and undergrowth then down a hill to a very beautiful lake. I was mostly alone on the trail, the people accompanying me were fairly far behind. I remember it was very quiet as well, nearly no noise except for the leaves quietly rustling in the breeze. About 30 feet away from the lake's edge, I paused to see nearly a dozen dead morning doves scattered beside the trampled path. No visible wounds, no bites, no gore, no obvious broken bones, and no decay or insects because it seemed to have happened shortly before I arrived, they were just laying dead. It was pretty out of the way from habited areas as well, so I have no idea if they were poisoned by a jackass with a bird feeder, but it seemed an unlikely cause due to the area being so isolated. The silence combined with this scene made it feel very eerie.
There is a hike to the top of Pikes Peak that has a camp halfway up popular with tourists. It's a pretty tough 13 miles to the peak. I do a shorter hike that breaks off and shares the same trail that loops around, I often love doing the loop twice. On my first loop, about 3 miles from the trailhead, I come across a British couple who were very nice and looked like they were having a great time. They told me a little about themselves and they asked me how much further was to the camp at the halfway point and I told them it was about another 3 miles further up. They told me they were staying at the camp, and I found it a bit odd that they weren't carrying backpacks or supplies except for water. They thanked me and also told me oh and do mind that our luggage is coming up behind us. I thought to myself luggage? On the way down I saw what they meant. About 1.5 miles from the trailhead here was a young Indian man carrying two huge red luggages up the trail by himself. These were the types of luggages you see at hotels with tiny wheels and both looked extremely heavy. The only way this young man, who I presume to be their butler of sorts, can move the luggages up the trail was to lift up one at a time with both arms a few feet forward, set it down, and repeat with the other one. He looked pretty tired and he wasn't even nearly a quarter of the way to the camp. He was wearing regular street clothes, no sweater, and wearing flat converse shoes which are awful for hiking. I spoke to him a little bit and with his thick Indian accent he also had questions about how long it was to the camp. He made a sad sigh when I said he still had about 4 one half miles to go. It was around 5 pm and the sun was already starting to set and I let him know that at this pace I wasn't sure if he'd make up there before dark. All he could say was well they're expecting their stuff to be up there so I have to make it today. I wished him luck and went on my way. On my second loop around the shorter trail, I didn't come across the well-off British couple again, they must have continued on past where the trail splits. I did however come across the young man again who after about 2 hours had only made about another mile of progress. He looked absolutely exhausted and the wheels of the luggages were completely worn down to the base so he had to continue carrying them up one at a time. It looked like his back was hurting too. He again asked me how much further it was to the camp, to his dismay I let him know that he still wasn't even halfway there. I asked him what he was going to do, he had no idea. He came to the conclusion that he'll probably just sleep by the side of the trail and then try to make it up in the morning. He asked me if I had any water that he can buy off of me. I had a spare Gatorade and he mentioned that he only had a $50 bill but he was willing to give it to me. Seeing how desperate of a situation he was to offer so much for a drink and how tired he looked, I just gave it to him and told him to keep the money. I have no idea what happened afterwards but that was one of the most weird things I've ever seen. This guy was totally unprepared for a hike like this I felt super bad for him. I wonder how his night went what that British couple decided to do without their supplies making it up that night, I hope they eventually went back down to help him. I was backpacking alone at Mount Rainier. During the night I saw three circular flat flying objects hovering like 100 feet in the sky, doing patterns. They would leave and come back and it was all night, from dusk until dawn. At one point one hovered over my tent. I had the rain fly off so I watched them through the mesh the entire night frozen with fear. As soon as the sun rose I shoved all of my gear into my pack and ran all the way back to my car. I drove to the ranger station to ask if they were testing any weird equipment. He said there was a military base nearby. Those things did not look like any drones I've ever seen or anything that I can explain. The bummer is that I was alone in that entire wilderness area and no one else got to see it. I was hiking and camping in the Sangre de Cristo mountains with intent to summit some mountains the next few days. I make camp for the night and I'm just enjoying the evening when I hear a bunch of motorized equipment four-wheelers and dirt bikes, below me tearing up in the meadow. There are probably 20-25 people in this group. The route I came in didn't allow any motorized equipment but oh well what can you do anymore. So they start to make camp also and are boisterous and loud. I am certain there is a lot of alcohol being consumed. 
Not the experience I was planning to have but I am moving on in the morning. Around 11pm I am trying to sleep in my tent and the party is still raging. Then the gunshots start. The drunks are just shooting wildly in all directions out of their camp to being the party to a whole other level. I'm about 400 feet away and they are shooting in my direction. There is a large boulder near my campsite so I exit my tent and set my sleeping bag up on the other side of the boulder to avoid being struck by any stray bullets that might travel that far. I pack up and leave in the morning and encounter one of the group awake smoking a cigarette. He asked where I came from and I indicated by pointing and said where you were shooting at last night. His reply was oh and I just walked away. I went back to that area about a month later and all of their trash was left behind. Out of staters coming to Colorado and trashing it to have a good time on vacation is one of the reasons I left the state to live somewhere less popular for tourism and more wild. That will change someday too. This happened to my dad and brother, 16 years ago outside Fernley, Nevada. Long story short. Two guys tried to murder them. The long version, so my dad and brother liked to go out into the desert at night and look for snakes, tarantulas, just critters in general. One night, they were up on a hill when they saw a truck driving by. My dad blinked his flashlight at them to signal they were up there. I don't know why he did this, maybe so they didn't get ran over or something. Well, these individuals slammed on their brakes and started unloading rounds up toward them. My father smacked my brother to the ground and started screaming at them to stop. Didn't work. So the two of them army crawled toward my dad's truck while these guys were still taking potshots. It was super dark out so they didn't know where my dad and brother were. When they eventually made it to the truck, it stalled out. So, obviously the shooters heard it, and started firing at them. They hid under the truck and waited a long ass time for a break-in fire, because every time they got ready to run, shots would start going off again. I guess they got to the point where they agreed, either we make a mad dash out of here, or these guys will eventually just come up and execute us. So, that's what they did. They ended up running several miles back into town. A gas station clerk called the police, but nothing came of it. To this day, we have no clue who it was that tried to murder them. Or how TF they had so much ammo. We're talking hours of shots ringing out every couple of minutes. My father refused to ever go out in the Nevada desert again, though. <laughs>